1: might not be glad that you did
0: there was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they could become something Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast and resource devoted to discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend chris bruffett how have you been this week chris has the post gen con hangover settled
1: no way man i'm still fired up i'm still ready to go i'm still raring we're in the middle of a heated game on tabletop simulator and i'm gonna beat you i'm gonna beat you for the first time no i think i beat you early on i'm gonna beat you for the first time in a while
0: i think you've done some of our tutorial games early on yeah when we thought superpowers took an action we were so naive then oh man we were bad that was a different game entirely. But you know, that was like first week and we got the core box open. So you got to give us some credit. It's why we emphasize on the show right now, Chris, and why I always emphasize superpowers usually don't take actions. And it's just so mind blowing compared to other miniatures games where it's like, take your two actions. And yeah, we just played all games wrong that weekend, which was so great. Yeah, this would be our first real game in a long time. So Chris mentioned TTS. I have slammed a lot of games on TTS recent weeks, pre-GenCon, post-GenCon. And Chris has been starting to slam a lot of games on TTS as well. We kind of understand it now. It's actually great. I, I know how to use it well. And it keeps getting updates.
1: That mod keeps getting worked on and improved. Slowly but surely, it is so convenient to play it on TTS right now. Yeah, it's convenient, it's easy,
0: and most importantly, Chris, it's quick to get games in. What I always said is like TTS is never ideal, it's never the most fun for MCP. But inversely, the setup and teardown is basically non existent. If you have a bag pre made with your 10 models, your eight tactics cards, and your six crisis cards, if you have a bag with all that in it, you can basically jump on with any of your friends you know, randomize the map, jump right in. You're ready to go. You're deploying in five minutes. It's insane. So if anything, it's a great tool for that and for learning and for experiencing new maps, new heights of terrain, new deployment setups, which is always a unique puzzle and challenge and learning experience. So every time I play on TTS lately, I'm just trying to soak up every action, every move, every map, every character I'm playing, because there is a lot of variability on there and it can be different every time. And I think that's a really good learning tool to make you a better, more balanced, reactive player, which is what I'm always trying to be the best I can. And uh, TTS is a great way to do it. And Chris and I are in the middle of a game right now. And that's another great feature of it, which we love so much. Chris, we say we're in the middle of it, or you can be in the middle of a round. So right now we're at the top of round three and we just saved it. And that's what's great. Like If you don't have time to finish a game, but you're still getting reps, and people like me who have crazy schedules right now, it's a great tool for me to get a round or two in with with a friend or a patron on the patron discord, and then just save it and come
1: back to it later. It's really nice. It's great. I can't wait to get more games going. I think I want to be one of those chess masters that's got five or six games going at the same time. Oh, yeah. I think it's going to be perfect.
0: And it's exciting, too, because you're learning different things and experiencing different lists and of course, affiliations and different players. So it's all good. It's great to just familiarize yourself with everything. Yes. Like if there's particular models you might not even have painted yet, Chris, it's a good way to get them to the table, learn them, learn how to fight them, learn their weaknesses. It's like every time you get beat by MODOK on TTS, hopefully you learned one thing about how strong he is and how to fight him. And that's what I've been learning because I've been playing a lot of great players that play MODOK Chris and I are not playing Modoc in our current game. No, sir. We're actually playing Wakandans, which is Chris, versus My Avengers, so we're taking a little bit more classic MCP, but we're bringing some new models in for more recent waves, so it's kind of got this nice flavor and twist to it, but, you know, some classic affiliations from the first wave, essentially, with some little spicy, you know, characters joining in on these teams as well. But we'll update you guys more on our TTS progress as time goes on. We hope you guys really enjoyed our last two episodes. So, of course, Chris and I's first impressions of Gen Con, our little peppering of lore throughout, like I talked about on the episode description. We actually got a lot of lore in there, Chris. I was pretty happy how we kind of snuck it in.
1: Oh, I'm I'm very sneaky.
0: I guess it's always going to happen with us because I think our enthusiasm in your knowledge of lore and our enthusiasm of the lore of the characters, and it's always going to come in for us, but it was fun to talk not only spoilers, reveals, but also lore and like potential gameplay. And then, of course, we got to see stuff like Doctor Strange and Wasp and stuff where we actually saw tangible gameplay and things to percolate on and think about and Wong is still blowing my mind. He's just going to be this guy that sits around a corner on an objective and he's passing out power to people and healing people like a great paladin or something. I mean, it's just, I can't wait. What's crazy is the Web Warriors and Goblin are coming out basically right now when you're hearing this episode. So the game's about to shift and change again and then within a couple weeks Doctor Strange and Wong will be out. So the game's going to change again. And when I say change, I mean dramatically change. Not just five new models in the game, three new affiliations in the game
1: over the next couple of weeks. That's a lot to learn. And thank goodness we have TTS to do it because otherwise, what? I don't think we could play this game by mail. It wouldn't work very well, would it? Probably not. No. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you, I am extremely excited to get Wong and Strange on the table. Yes. They're playing against you know them I am. or playing with them. But I think the power in those two. Uh, in the hands of a skilled player is going to be amazing.
0: Yeah, I think Doctor Strange with the Soul Stone might be an essential thing. He's going to be the first thing I bring out to the table after Miles and Gwen, of course. But you know, then again, Chris, Goblin's out. I'm going to have a whole new faction and my personal favorite villain in the game so far alongside Venom on the same team. So... I'm just going to be torn. I'm going to have three of my favorite things going on, like Doctor Strange with the new affiliation, Defenders. The Web Warrior team will finally be here. The objective-based team that plays really different than anybody else. And then the Spider-Foes team, which is a whole new team that are my favorite villains in all of Marvel. I'm beside myself. I'm really excited to play this stuff. Excited to bring Rocket Raccoon into the Spider-Foes. I think he might fit in there, which is really exciting. Uh We're going to talk about that today. Gen Con hype is so high. And it's even higher for me, Chris, because we, of course, had our big first impressions episode. We kind of let it sit and then we record impressions and then we talked about everything and released it to you guys. And then shortly after our last episode was our newest episode of the interview series with Zach Bunn from Team Covenant. And he talked a lot about Gen Con, how excited he was about it and game theory and basically being content creator in the world of COVID-19, which is crazy. And being a game store owner and not having our game store open, looking on the positive side of things, I think is really great right now because so what we got, you know, the game was at an all-time high and then COVID hit. And I think the game's at an all-time high again through TTS, through online communication, absolutely, through Twitch streams, through podcasts like us and others that are trying to build this community through great video content like the Gamers Guild. It is a bummer right now, but at the same time, I couldn't be more thankful for this community and the excitement and positivity.
1: Around the game right now. And I'm hoping we get more of that. I'll tell you, recording this uh, is something I look forward to every week and getting re excited about this game every week yes. is awesome. And seeing the community kind of raise up and, and start maturing a little bit and start forming into what it will become is really exciting to see. And I got to say, we're kind of on a great path right now.
0: We really are, Chris. And the fall's only going to get greater. Essentially, Miles, Gwen, Goblin, and Strange and Wong coming out its going to be kind of the beginning of our Christmas. Our Christmas is starting right now for MCP and for our show and for all these things. Chris, there's going to be so much content that you and I are not even going to catch up with even with our weekly format, which is great. NTTS is going to be at all-time high. Between now and Christmas, we're going to have all the releases we just talked about leading up to strange and then all the way to X-Men and everything in between all till Christmas. So I think our Christmas has already started, you know, I'm getting miles in my hands right now. I'm getting Gwen. who's one of my favorite characters. I'm getting green goblin. Who's one of the all-time greatest villains. And then like Dr. Strange and Wong, And then we're just going to get more and more releases. And now it's actually been confirmed that ghost Rider is for sure coming before the X-Men come out. We don't know exactly when it could be right after Dr. Strange, which would be insane but it's still before December, so we can Ghost Rider, some of the Defenders, hopefully Angela and Enchantress and Asgardians can be blown wide open again. Ghost Rider is kind of low-key the character I might be most excited for right now. It sounded like that on our Gen Con hype episode, and it's funny that You were less excited until Gen Con,
1: and then you saw the model. I was, and I saw the model. Then I started thinking about the actual game applications of a man in a leather jacket who possesses a flaming skull riding a flaming chopper. Right. How's that going to work mechanically in the game? And that just made me really excited. Is he going to be a large base long mover? Goodness gracious. Surely not. He very might well be. Is he going to have a compulsory move? I don't know. Exactly. Kind of hope so. We're familiar with Legion,
0: compulsory move. I don't know if he'll have a compulsory move, Chris, but I'm actually most interested to see if he has the kind of quintessential Ghost Rider trait, which is that phasing through terrain. Let's not
1: forget about the pennant Stare. Oh, I know. Is that going to be a regular attack or is that going to be some kind of, I don't know, man. Passive. That might be some sort of passive, Oh, what if it's a passive ping? Gosh. Everyone
0: within range, four of him, like a Loki sort of passive Who knows? I cannot wait for that one. I talked to you off about Ghost Rider on the show, and we kind of had to hold back our excitement on lore as well, because this character we both want to learn more about, too, that we both know about. We haven't dove Fury's finest deep into Ghost Rider yet. That's something I'm really looking forward to. And then we got the Cosmic Ghost Rider with Frank Castle. There's just weird and crazy stuff out in the world. Crazy stuff. Is Ghost Rider the most metal member of the Marvel Universe? I don't know he's up there. I think he listens to thrash metal. He has to listen to thrash. He might even listen to all kinds of metal, speed metal for sure. Definitely some thrash. Who knows, Chris, but I can't wait till that episode. And it's just so interesting because it's like, if all we got for the rest of the year was Miles, Gwen, Goblin, Strange, Wong, and then just a break until the X-Men come right before Christmas, I would say, what a great year. But we're going to get a couple models between potentially Angela and Enchantress. Angela is like my number two right now, maybe, of of all the models we saw at Gen Con. It was such a curveball, and I'm so excited to have a new Asgardian and Guardian who's going to be just this super high damage dealer from the Spawn universe. It's so much craziness.
1: That'll be a very interesting lore episode. I know it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be interesting. I'm excited for it. I mean, even Zach on our last episode talked
0: about how himself personally he was kind of slowing down on MCP purchases because he's not as crazy into it as us. And he was like, I can dodge models here and there. So for instance, he held off on the Black Order for now, except Thanos. He can't hold off on Thanos. He held off on the rest of the Black Order. Big mistake, Zach. I've been really enjoying that faction and really figuring out how high of a skill cap they are to play. He said every release he saw, especially for the Defenders and the Streetwise heroes and stuff, he's like, yep, got to get that. Yep. She-Hulk oh my gosh, got to get that. Absolutely. He was freaking out. It's a good time to be a Marvel fan. It's a great time to be an MCP fan. And the game is not only going to be broken open just over the next two, three weeks, Chris, but the game's going to just be flipped on its head come late fall. I mean, we're just going to have so many new characters, objectives, tactics, cards, affiliations, the list goes on. And I think this leads to our part of discussion that I want to end on for now. And it's I really think come the late fall of this game, you can just pick and choose what you want. And we're already at that point in the game. But in the fall, it's really going to be that case. If you pick up a core set and you pick up a couple models, not only are you competitive, but you might just be happy with that. And that's great because I don't want everyone to ever feel the burden of buying every model like Chris and I do because we do weekly content about this game. You can skip characters. And I may even start skipping a few characters here and there, Chris, come this fall. Doubt it, but maybe. Like some of the Defenders and t- type of stuff. It might I was just thinking about
1: what I could and couldn't dodge, but I just, I can't. At the moment, I can't think of anything that might change.
0: Well, and you and I's funds are both limited, but thankfully, we are privileged to have things like the Patreon that really, at this point, just pay our overhead and pay for our next model release. And that's a great place for the Patreon to be. Obviously, we want to expand that in the future and Put more into terrain and all these other things for the show. More into equipment and lights and absolutely video content. But for now, if it can buy us a model every so often, that's great. We're never not going to pick up stuff because we always want to cover for you guys on the show. But what I'm saying is, a new player of the game or even someone who's kind of casually into the game, only has core set and a couple models. You're solid. You just buy what you want at this point because the beauty of this game is it's 10 models, Chris. It's 10 models, and you just play what you want to play. And come the fall, that phrase is going to mean more than it ever has because you really can just play what you want to play. You could always play Avengers with Wolverine and Avengers and it's gonna work probably. And you're gonna be competitive as well. If so if Wolverine's one of your main characters and you really like the Avengers core set, Wolverine Sabretooth Box, pick a couple characters else you like. You're good to go. Yeah. And the rest is how much do you enjoy playing other characters? How much do you enjoy hobbying other things? It's up to you. So that's what's so great about the game. You can go as light or as deep as you want. I'm all for it.
1: Well said. I just couldn't say any of that any better. That was
0: great. A box that I do think is really worth your time, potentially, is the box we're going to talk about today. Uh And I say a box because today we're doing something a little bit unconventional on Fury's Finest, but I think completely appropriate. Today on Fury's Finest, we'll be discussing the essential duo of Rocket Raccoon and Groot. Let's get into it, Chris. Let's go.
1: Fury's Finest is sponsored by Discount Games, Inc., Go to www.discountgamesinc.com for all your Marvel Crisis Protocol and miniature gaming needs. Our patrons support Fury's
0: Finest at patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoyed this show, consider supporting with a monthly contribution. We'd like to thank all of our patrons for their support. So As Chris and I mentioned earlier, our patrons help us pay our overheads to host this podcast, help us get equipment, and just keep this show going week to week so we cannot thank them enough.
1: A big thank you this week to our new patron, Aaron H. Thank you, Aaron. And we want to do another huge thank you to our producer, Martin C., and a very special, special announcement. We have another, a new producer, Matthew R. Matthew, thank you so much for uh, upgrading to the producer level, man. It's really, really cool of you.
0: Yeah, Matthew's been a patron for quite some time, and he just jumped up to producer recently, so... Thank you for doing that, Matthew. And of course, you'll hear your name every week. Guys, the producers really make this show run because they're the most direct way of paying the bills and helping the show continue onward. So, if you like to hear your name each week, consider supporting the producer level. But of course, most importantly, even if you can just drop a couple dollars a month, like a coffee to us, you get to join that patron discord and be part of this great community. And, you know, it really helps the show. So, we cannot thank our patrons enough. Chris, let's get into this really awesome lore. Oh, yes. I'm going to say this title differently. Who are Rocket
1: and Groot? Well, Jesse, I'm glad you asked. So it's going to go a little different this week, of course, but I think you guys are going to like this. So we're going to start with Rocket for a second, and then we'll pivot to Groot. Rocket Raccoon is an intelligent, anthropomorphic raccoon. He's an expert marksman. He's a weapons specialist and a master tactician. His name and aspects of his character are a nod to the Beatles' 1968 song, Rocky
0: Raccoon. That's so cool.
1: It is cool. Now, who is Groot? Groot is an extraterrestrial, sentient, tree-like creature. The original Groot first appeared as an invader that intended to capture humans for experimentation. The character was later reintroduced as a heroic noble being in 2006 and appeared in the crossover comic book storyline, Annihilation Conquest, which you have heard me recommend over and over again. We're going to continue. And it's going to get worse because now we're actually getting into characters that were in this comic. So now you're going to have to hear me say it even more. So you better go read it. That's so true. So when was Rocket's first appearance in comics? He was created by writer Bill Mantlo and artist Keith Giffen. The character first appeared in Marvel Preview No. 7, Summer 1976, and his buddy Groot's first appearance in comics. Groot was created by Stan Lee, Larry Lieber, and Jack Kirby, mm. uh, and he first appeared in Tales to Astonish number 13, dated November 19. 19- 60. So Groot's been around for a long time, but it took that Marvel cosmic spark, that beautiful Dan Abnett writing to get him back and ultimately launch the uh, next version of Star Wars.
0: I love it. Also notable here, Chris, I did not know Rocket was as far back as 76. I thought he was at least 80.
1: Learning experience. Interestingly enough, he didn't appear much. He appeared 10 times before the, I think the early 2000s. Yeah in which he got his own miniseries where he was penciled by Mike Magnola, actually, of Hellboy fame. Oh, wow. Pretty cool. So let's get into these guys' history. So first, we're going to talk about Rocket pre-Guardians of the Galaxy. Excellent. Rocket Raccoon acts as the guardian of the Keystone Quadrant, an area of outer space sealed off from the rest of the cosmos by the so-called Galassian Wall. Rocket is a captain of the starship Rack and Ruin, and he and his first mate, Walrus, a talking walrus, come from the planet Halfworld in the Keystone Quadrant, an abandoned colony for the mentally ill where the animal companions were genetically manipulated to grant them human-level intelligence and bipedal construction for many to become caretakers of the inmates. They did this with the animals because they were not a very threatening sight. A cute raccoon is your caretaker. When you're a little disturbed, it might help settle you down a little bit. Okay. Rocket was Halfworld's chief law officer, called a ranger, who protected the colony against various threats. At one point, a man named Judson Jake tries to steal the Halfworld Bible, but is thwarted by Rocket and various animal associates. Later, Lord Divine abducts Rocket's friend Lila Otter, and Judson Jake's begins the toy war. As the war continues, Black Jack O'Hare teams up with Rocket, and Rocket is reunited with Lila. The Rack and Ruin is soon destroyed, and Judson Jakes and Lord Divine team up to kill Rocket Raccoon. Rocket and his friends cure the loonies of their mental illnesses. Keep in mind, this is 1976, folks. Yeah. I apologize for that. As Judson Jakes and Lord Divine are apparently killed. Rocket and the animals, as well as the robot, leave Half-World and take off into space for their own adventures. Sometime later, Rocket is revealed to have been a laboratory subject on the Stranger's planet and escapes his captivity there. So let's talk Groot
0: pre-Guardians of the Galaxy. Groot is a Flora Colossus from Planet X the capital of the branch worlds. The Flora colossi are tree-like beings whose language is almost impossible to understand due to the stiffness of their larynxes, causing their speech to sound like they are repeating the phrase, I am Groot. Other beings try to be friendly, but become angry with the Flora colossi for not being able to speak or communicate. Groot was shown to be capable of speaking, not just understandably, but eloquently throughout annihilation. The floral colossi are ruled over by the arbor masters and teach the children of the species with photonic knowledge, which is the collected knowledge of the arbor masters of the generations and is absorbed through photosynthesis. This is a highly advanced education method, making the flora colossi geniuses. Planet X's biome was managed by the maintenance mammals, which are small raccoon like beings. The flora colossus sapling. That would eventually come to be known as Groot came from an ennobled sap line and was gifted with a tremendous grasp of quasi dimensional superpositional engineering. Groot did not get along with his fellow saplings, but instead preferred the company of the maintenance mammals, which the other saplings treated with prejudice. Groot was then exiled by the Arbor Masters and Guardians of the Galaxy 14. After killing another sapling to defend a maintenance mammal, it was brutalizing. There are two other origin stories for Groot, but we're skipping over this today for brevity's sake and to keep this hyper-laser focused on the modern version of Groot, specifically within the Guardians of the Galaxy.
1: I'm glad you mentioned the Guardians of the Galaxy, because now we have reached the point in the story where we're going to talk about Rocket and Groot together. All right. So now we launch ourselves into the future. The events of Annihilation have already taken place. The cosmos is under threat once again, but a different Groot emerges to play a part in this Annihilation conquest, and at the time, it's shown that Groot may be the last remaining member of the Flora Colossi species, and is under arrest by the Kree for an unknown reason. Groot earns his freedom by joining Star-Lord's Strike Force, where Groot meets and befriends Rocket Raccoon as Rocket is one of the very few beings with the ability to understand Groot's language. Star-Lord's team fights their way through the phalanx, but after the death of Death Cry, the team decides to escape through a drainage pipe that Groot cannot fit into. As a consequence of this battle, Groot dies, but his death buys the team time to escape. But luckily for us, Rocket Raccoon snagged a Sprig offshoot and goes on to accompany the team on their continued mission against the phalanx, but he's one of the team members captured by the phalanx. Rocket and Groot's sapling are then freed by Mantis and escape back to the lines of the Kree resistance. In time, Groot's body regenerates from the twig, growing back to full size. From this point, Groot and the others intend to carry on as part of Star-Lord's team.
0: Groot, Rocket, and the rest of the team are returned to Hala to prepare another assault against the phalanx, but their agent, Blastar was captured by the phalanx and is taken to their Babel Spire as he tries to carry Groot's pollen spores. Groot and Rocket continue their mission by sneaking into the sub-basement of the Babel Spire. When Starlord was captured by Ultron, the original plan of laying explosives in the Spire failed, so Rocket and Groot need to come up with a new plan. Groot decides to sprout inside the spire, growing to a colossal size and filling a large portion of the building. Mantis at this point is able to remix Groot's sap as a way to make it extremely flammable. And again, Groot dies for the team, this time by purposely igniting so the resulting fire would destroy the Babel Spire in its entirety. A cutting of Groot was kept by Rocket Raccoon, though, and Groot was able to regrow again. Groot and Rocket then join the new Guardians of the Galaxy, or as Groot would have it, Groot and Branches, and he begins
1: regrowing under the care of Mantis. So this is the part of the story where Rocket and Groot officially join the new Guardians of the Galaxy. And Rocket especially joined at the behest of his friend Star-Lord. And it's Star-Lord that suggests that they adopt the moniker... Guardians of the Galaxy, after hearing it mentioned by Major Victory. Later, the team is about to disband as Peter Quill, aka Star Lord, has disappeared. Unbeknownst to the team, he's been sent into the negative zone by Ronin, another super cool character that I like a lot. But Rocket keeps the team alive, and he also brings Groot in as a member. Rocket takes over as leader until they rescue Peter and save the earth from an alien invasion. When the team tries to halt the growing War of Kings, another wonderful storyline in Marvel Cosmic, you should read, Rocket leads the portion of the team assigned to make contact with the Shi'ar. They are unable to teleport into Emperor Vulcan's flagship and have to be rescued by the Star Jammers and Rocket's old friend, Cha'od. They are able to bring back the rightful queen of the Shi'ar, but unfortunately, she is later killed, much to Rocket's horror.
0: After the Guardians disband again, Rocket takes up a normal job with timely ink. He and Groot were then reunited and tricked into returning to Halfworld. There, he found that his memories of the place were mostly half-truths and deliberately crafted fake memories. In reality, Jake's and Blackjack O'Hare had worked with Rocket in providing security at Half-World Asylum for the criminally insane. Dr. Devine had been head of psychology there, and both of the anthropomorphic animals and the Autonomaton clowns were deliberately created to work at the asylum as their appearance would calm the inmates. The crises that Rocket half-remembered had been caused by the psychic supervillain Star Thief, who had been admitted as an inmate and used his psychic powers to turn the inhabitants against each other. Rocket had turned the wardens into a biological key to keep Star Thief locked up and deliberately altered his mind and left Half-World so it could never be opened. He was then tricked into returning by the thief, whose mind had escaped into the asylum after the host body had
1: died. When the Guardians of the Galaxy title was relaunched in 2013, both Rocket and Groot were again members of the team. And guys, this is the classic team. I say classic, it's very new, but this yeah. is the team you think of from the movies and the team that's largely being represented by models in MCP. Now, during this time, the Secret Empire storyline is going on, and the Guardians of the Galaxy find themselves assisting Captain Marvel in the Alpha Flight space program, members of the Ultimates, Hyperion, and Quasar, in intercepting a fleet of Chitari that are approaching Earth until a Hydra aligned Steve Rogers activates the planetary defense shield, trapping those fighting the Qatari outside of Earth's atmosphere. Star-Lord, Rocket, and Groot try to enlist representatives of the Skrulls, Kree, Brood, Shi'ar, and Spartex empires that are on the Galactic Council in helping against the Qatari hordes and to break down the planetary defense shield and get rid of Hydra. But realizing that they are now facing the possibility of a galaxy without human interference, the Galactic Council refuses their request and actually attempts to kill the three guardians as they flee. After this, the planetary defense shield is miraculously shut down by the wonderful efforts of our heroes on Earth. That's right. And Groot, Rocket... Star-Lord and the rest of the Guardians of the Galaxy join in in the final battle against Hydra. And that's where we're going to leave off our story today. You gotta love it. Some
0: great cosmic stuff jumping all over the place. Some good Sci-fi backstory.
1: elements. Yeah. yeah,
0: and good backstory on Rocket and Groot and how they kind of bring it into modern canon of Marvel. I always love when I see these stories and how they tweak characters, bring them into modern day. They take the old, bring it in the new. Sometimes with certain characters, they just keep aging. We've talked about many times what's so great about Peter Parker. He's always aged. He's still the Peter Parker from the very beginning. But then there's characters like Rocket and Groot. Age is a little bit more ambiguous. Time a little bit more ambiguous. See where they go. So, of course, Chris, we got to talk about Rocket and Groot and the MCU movies because they are two beloved characters. Their first appearance, of course, is in Guardians of the Galaxy 1. And if you can pick up on some themes here, if you've never read any Rocket and Groot lore, you've just seen the films, you can see the places they took liberties, the places they cut the story, they trimmed the fat. Rocket and Groot are criminalized and brought together, but it's from the Nova Corps and things like that. There's just subtle changes here and there.
1: Very small differences, but the core of the story remains the same. I think that is why the Marvel superhero movies... Have done so well. They have they have kept the core of these characters yes. and made small cosmetic changes, small tweaks to the story, put a different skin on certain entities, put a different twist here or there, instead of changing the characters to fit director or producer's idea of what they think it should be.
0: A couple notable things from this movie, Chris, and this is an exercise I'm going to have to practice every week for the coming weeks, and I'm gonna practice it well. Without talking about major plot points, more character points. We see Rocket and Groot's relationship. We actually see the great scene with Rocket, Groot, and Drax drinking and gambling. Rocket gets really drunk and he's talking about how he's experimented on, how he was changed Mm -hmm. to be intelligent, anthropomorphic, and how he never chose that. And you can never understand. And he almost kills Drax on the spot. And then, you know, all these sort of relationships, Groot's always kind of the muscle and protecting of Rocket, but Groot's also the softer heart, the calmer, cool-headed guy.
1: Very stoic, as you would expect a tree to be. Right. And
0: Rocket is the kind of hothead and he wants to blow things up. He's also as we know, we see in the Guardians movie how proficient and incredibly gifted Rocket is with computers and modding and hacking and flying. We just see how great of a pilot he is as well. We see his all sorts of things.
1: It's pretty neat. His original character design included Rocket skates. That's right. All of his appearances had Rocket skates for a long time. <laughs> I mean, he didn't have a ton of appearances. It was a long time that elapsed there. And it's cool that they kind of gave that nod to him with those rocket boots in the first movie.
0: Yeah. And then, of course, we've got Groot in the movie. One more can be said. He's a standout love of this movie. I think he's half the reason why people love these movies so much. Vin Diesel doing an incredible job with the performance, as funny as that is Pretty to Pretty amazing, man. Because... He's a famous actor and delivering one line over and over again, which is so funny. And I think a notable and fun trivia fact and a fun fact to me, Chris, about these movies is, you know, these are some of the biggest movies in the world right after Star Wars. There's major actors that play these characters in other countries, as in the man that's always played Captain America in South America is still the guy who has been playing Captain America in South America for the dubbing, right? Same goes for all these other characters, like Iron Man and stuff. With Groot, Vin Diesel said, I am Groot in every language, which is so great
1: that's amazing so
0: he went in and miyamo groot all this stuff that's amazing it adds to the character because it kind of creates a cohesiveness of groot is just this chewbacca type character and i've talked about it a lot on my star wars shows and stuff but i mean rocket and groot are han solo and chewbacca and it's a very overt nod in a lot of ways but even more so in the modern day especially because you know you've got the gunslinger hothead outlaw guy who's great at flying ships and then you've got his muscle who's kind of the cool collected super sweet guy but but also, could just rip your arms off, you know, their stature heights and everything. And I always love it because seeing a Marvel twist on Han Solo and Chewbacca is very interesting because it's a nice take, it's different, but it's similar it's enough. It's a lot of fun, but it's different enough, you know. And I love these guys to death because they really do bounce each other out. So, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, we of course see a lot more of them because at the end of Guardians, Groot does die saying, We are Groot, protecting the team and his carapace of his giant tree. He blows up and dies. Rocket saves the sprig. Of course, Groot comes back by the end of the Guardians and credit scene as the little sapling. And then, of course, by Guardians 2, he is the little baby Groot, which kind of steals the show again.
1: My absolute favorite, though, is when he's Teenager Groot. That's right. So let's jump ahead
0: to Infinity War. It's the best. Infinity War Teenager Groot is so ridiculous in all the right ways. Rocket actually has to be more of an adult and a little bit calmer and more cool-headed, which is an interesting take for his character. You got to love these characters because of course, Infinity War, Rocket and Groot play a major role. What's so cool to see the teenage Groot not care the whole movie until they realize Thor doesn't have the materials to make his new hammer and then he right. cuts his own arm off. And then, you know, we get a great moment of, you know, Groot losing an arm and Thor getting a new hammer. And then I think one of the best moments in all the entire Marvel movie history, show up at Wakanda last second, save everyone's life. And then Thor says, bring me Thanos. And Thor just basically decimates half of the Black Order army. It's such a great moment. And it's cool that Rocket and Groot are with Thor, you know, it's a new dynamic.
1: And it's just not seen very often because I feel like Infinity War is often skipped to just rewatch Endgame again.
0: Right. I know I'm guilty of it. But there's no reason it should be, because they're essentially just one movie. They're just a midpoint. It's true. And I actually like a lot of parts of Infinity War better. This is a uh, contradictory phrase in modern day, but the tone is so right. It's so serious, Chris. It's just so serious to see 23 movies of our heroes win, and then to see them lose. It's Empire Strikes Back on steroids because Empire Strikes Back was shell shock enough, you know, for everybody. True. The good guys always win. No, this is different, you know? And that makes them even more powerful, right? Because Thor comes down with Rocket and Groot and does save the day, does save Wakanda, but he doesn't cut Thanos' head off. And it's still an ultimate failure. It's um, very serious. And I love their dynamic in this movie. We get to see the beginnings of which I want to see more of, which I talk about time and time again which is I want to see Thor with those Guardians. I want to see the interactions of the Guardians with Thor in the cosmos.
1: It's going to happen. Don't worry.
0: So of course, closing this out, we have two unreleased films, which Rocket and Groot are basically fully announced, though we don't know 100%. We don't have screen caps or anything yet, but Thor, Eleven Thunder, and Guardians of the Galaxy 3. They're returning, which is absolutely wonderful.
1: Wonderful news. What a delightful team. I think they're my favorite franchise inside the franchise, if you will. For sure. And these are my
0: two favorite personal characters of this group. So I'm really excited. Well, lucky you. So Chris, we talked about Vin Diesel. And I got to plug this while we're at the very end here, because I think this is one of the standout performances in craziest casting of all the MCU. Let's talk about Bradley Cooper playing Rocket Raccoon and doing the Rocket Raccoon voice.
1: He's great.
0: It's crazy. It's incredible. He's so good. Once again, we're going to say it every week, but casting, shockingly perfect, because this time, Chris, we do have a little bit of a different scenario. We do have two fully CGI characters. So them choosing right. Vin Diesel and Bradley Cooper was a definitely calculated plan, but maybe when people are reading that on paper before the movie come out it's harder to conceptualize than like a Benedict Cumberbatch as Stephen Strange you know where it's this visual representation these are voices you know and Bradley Cooper he just nails it man i think the rocket voice has kind of been established for some time and i don't necessarily know the origins on it personally but i know he's kind of always had that accent and that sort of aggression in his voice Bradley Cooper made it his own still he took that vibe and made it his own because i remember just games, I think. And other things where Rocket's voice would come up, just a couple of lines here and there. He always kind of had that big city, wise uh-huh. guy type voice. you know. Bradley kind of made his own. Sounds nothing like Bradley Cooper. That's the best part.
1: His performance in the voice acting is actually very good. <laughs> very good. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of complexity behind the tones he uses, his pacing. Sometimes he's talking fast. Sometimes he's talking really slow when Rocket's Trying to you know suppress his emotions, but kind of can't. Right. Very complex character and a wonderful performance.
0: Yeah, Bradley Cooper has really proven himself over the years. Whether you love his movies or, or don't like them, it's just he does change his voice, his his cadence, his all these sorts of things. Like he's really passionate about that. Even more recent movies that he, of course, was super famous on, like American Sniper and A Star Is Born. He went to vocal training and dropped his voice several octaves for some of these roles and, and learned to sing different octaves and things like that. So he's committed to the voice craft for sure, Chris. So it makes sense that they choose him. But before Guardians, it's just such a hard thing to conceptualize. And then you hear the voice and you couldn't imagine anyone else to play him. It's oh, crazy. Wow. We have such a superstar playing this beloved character, but it's just he's behind a CGI animal. There's not even elements of his face or anything, essentially, you know. It's such a interesting and exciting take on the character. And hats off to Bradley Cooper. Once again, we said every week, the Marvel casting department might be their strongest suit. As I said, Chris, even when the movies slip and aren't as good, the casting is still on point.
1: The performances are still wonderful. Yeah. Absolutely correct.
0: So Chris, we got to talk about these two characters' superpowers because they're pretty interesting and they're a little bit different than our normal characters. And I think this started with Star-Lord, so we're going to see more of this in the future, but not so much superpowers, I say in quotes.
1: It's going to be more training and you know innate abilities of their species and things. So let's start with Rocket here. Rocket Raccoon possesses the normal attributes of an Earth-dwelling raccoon, including speed, which has been additionally amplified by his training, and an acute sense of smell, sight hearing and touch sharp claws allow him to scale walls buildings and trees with ease he's an accomplished starship pilot a brilliant engineer and technician and an expert marksman with the two laser pistols he carries as well as having an affinity for heavy weapons he is a master tactician and leader attributes that help him take charge of the guardians of the galaxy when star lord is unavailable now his partner in crime groot groot can absorb wood as food and has the ability to regenerate. Groot can control trees and plants, using them to attack others, and appears to be resistant to fire. Groot is able to dramatically increase his mass, but that also severely inhibits his movement. Groot has been seemingly killed on multiple occasions, each time regrowing from a collected sprig.
0: Groot is how Jesse plays Druid and DD. <laughs> I love just using nature to fight and, and branches and all this stuff. But you know, something also too about Groot, Chris, is when he increases his mass, he's really strong. We mentioned earlier that analogy to Chewbacca, like he is a very, very strong character physically.
1: He is the heavy of the Guardians of the Galaxy. I know Drax, you know, Drax the Destroyer. He's Right. He's got the nickname, the Destroyer, of course. But when it comes down to it, Groot is the toughest, strongest guy on the team.
0: So Chris, closing out a really robust and exciting lore today. We've already said it, but let's just look into here. Comic book recommendations for Rocket and Groot.
1: Please read Annihilation Conquest by Dan Abnett. It follows Annihilation, yeah. Read them both, but just please.
0: All right, Chris, let's get over to strategy. Starting with Rocket Raccoon, his alter ego is Rocket Raccoon. On his healthy side, he has three stamina, he's a medium speed, a height of one, a threat of two. His defenses are two physical, two energy, three mystic. His injured side is the same, Chris. He still has three stamina. So six total. So anything stand out to you about this character on his basic stats?
1: Very low health, very low defense, but a size one. That's right. Size one. That's a lot of cover. Even more than cover, Chris. That's a lot of completely
0: line of sight blocked. If rocket's behind one of those corset cars and you're not around the side of the car or the back of the car, you just can't see him.
1: It's great. He fits in a lot of weird spots.
0: I love it. He is the glass cannon we've always wanted. Also notable. You said size one. Medium move. Really nice. Threat two. The Mystic of Three is awesome, Chris. It really nods to his Experimentation on his body and mind. Right. Absolutely. Nice lore nod there. His first attack is an energy attack called Plasma Rifle. It's range five, a strength of five, a power cost of zero. After this attack is resolved, this character gains power equal to the damage dealt. So Rocket has a range five, five strength strike. This is a better version of Bucky's assault rifle strike because it's one more dice.
1: Absolutely.
0: One dice is not crazy. But a lot smarter people than us and a lot more detail-oriented people on the internet have dove into five strength over four strength does make a big percentage difference in this game and MCP with the way the crits work and the re-rolls and all these sorts of things. Sure, Five dice is nice, Chris, for a strike, but the most exciting thing about this is range five.
1: Oh, so cool. It's so cool. So let's talk about his next attack. It is also an energy attack. It's called Hadron Enforcer. It is also range five, strength seven, power cost four. It does have a wild trigger called Vortex. Before damage is dealt, other enemy characters within range two of the target character suffer one damage and are pushed towards the target character short. So cool. I I like that as the first instance of if I shoot you your friends within a certain range are going to be drawn towards you. That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it's a little black hole from his big gun mm-hmm. we've seen in the movies, his very serious gun. Seven strength is nothing to scoff at. Five range is great. Four power is expensive.
1: You've got to pay for a seven strength range five attack. You just have to. Oh, yeah, you got to try it out at least. This is uh,
0: Rocket's like finisher, and the Vortex is nice. I never count on wilds, even though they're great when they happen. No, uh, never. But... Chris, mid to late game, if this wild triggers, you get a, a one ping on everyone within range two, and you also move them out of their positions where they don't want to be. That's really nice. So you're not going to count on this, but when it happens, it could swing some games. I mean, we've seen it in this game a lot. You meet someone a couple of millimeters or like half a short movement away, because that's what this is going to be sometimes. It makes a big difference because now they have to make a decision like I was on that objective but Rocket sucked me in with the Vortex, and do I double attack now, or do I go back to the objective, which I barely lost any movement? That's so annoying. Just take a little walk over there, and then do just one attack, you know? There's a lot of questions you can ask with this, if it works. His first superpower is a reactive superpower called Booby Traps. It costs three power. When an enemy character ends its movement within range three of Rocket, Rocket may use a superpower. Roll four dice. The enemy character suffers one damage for each crit and wild rolled. So, Chris, once again, this is expensive, but it's pretty cool because when Rocket's fed,
1: it kind of deters you from running up on him if you're kind of teed up. You're going to have to go in there fully healthy because he could potentially get four damage on you without you even having a chance
0: to block any of it. He could god roll that, and this is very akin to Black Widow's Counter-Strike. These sort of abilities... You can never count on them, but when they hit, man, does it swing a game because sometimes you just take away that other player's second action with their character, which is huge because you dazed a character or something. Like say they're running at Rocket with a heavy hitter and they're like, I'm definitely going to kill him. Right. But the booby traps trigger and it's enough damage to daze the character. Well, not only did you daze them, which is great anytime, but you took away their activation for the rest of the round. It's the name of the game with this game in a lot of ways. Absolutely it is. In my mind, in this game, it goes the objective first, taking away activations from the other player before they go second. And then everything else is an adaptation of those two fasts of play. You know, there's a way to get around it. It's still expensive for three, but costs two with Avengers, which is nice. Not bad.
1: Not bad at all. So let's talk about his next superpower. It is personal bodyguard. When this character is the target of an attack, and an allied Groot is within range one of this character, you may use this superpower. The allied Groot becomes the target of the attack, regardless of range and line of sight. This is a free Captain America bodyguard, only for Groot. Super cool. The only problem is Groot is slow moving, as we will get to, so keeping them together is sometimes a tactical challenge.
0: Yes, and I think also... Rocket fits more places, Groot fits less places, so them together only 5 points, which is really nice, but sometimes you don't have room for both of them. You have 4 points left in your list, you're probably going to take Rocket and another 2 point, so you might not have Groot at all, so this superpower is basically blank, so keep that in mind as well. Rocket's last ability is an innate ability called Small Stature. This character always benefits from cover. So what this means, Chris is any time Rocket's attacked, he gets to flip one of his defense dice to a shield, as long as it's not a critical failure. This is great because his defenses are 2-2-3, so that helps. It kind of makes them 2.5 or 3 on the 2s, and maybe 3.5 or 4 on the 3. But that aside, it works like 99% of the time. The only time it doesn't work, when a character performs an attack that says, the enemy does not benefit from cover. So take, for instance, Cap's shield. It says the enemy does not benefit from cover. That would ignore Rocket's small stature. But any other time, Rocket's in the middle of the map, not by anything, just standing in the middle of asphalt and the city, nothing around him. He's still getting cover.
1: Really neat. Very cool. I like it a lot. It also kind of messes up the battle math. It's always good to make your opponents make choices.
0: And we talked about Rocket on the back. Nothing changes. Everything's the same cost. He still has the three health, he's six total. So, Chris, this character. Obviously, it's also a good contender for what we talked about in our last episode that was not Gen Con related, Star-Lord, where he gives out winging it tokens. Rocket with some winging it tokens pretty nice, too, because that's six re-rolls. If he attacks twice, that's four re-rolls on attacks. If he defends once, that's two re-rolls on defense. That's pretty good, man. It's pretty good. You're not really going to care as much about defense in general for Rocket, because if you're rolling a lot of defense saves for Rocket, you're probably playing him wrong.
1: Yeah, he's not going to live very long.
0: But when you're doing that Hadron Enforcer, and you got some wing it tokens, and Mm. you really want to get that wild or something, or you just want to get that damage off, he's a good candidate for it. So I think it's worth mentioning. We'll do an overview at the end, Chris. My initial thoughts on Rocket, he's actually in a lot of my rosters right now. He's just a really solid two-threat character. So something I'm going to talk about every time we talk about Guardians, in the right hands... All of the Guardians punch above their weight class. Great case in point of this. In the hands of a good player, Rocket is more like a three-threat shooter. Oh, I can see that easy. Yeah. In the damage department, very easy to do that. Longevity of his health, because he's glass cannon, not as much. But if you play him right, he's always in cover. He's far away where you know you make people come to him. He's on a back objective shooting off the side or something. Or like I said, Chris, get him behind anything in the size two. Absolutely. Can't even see him. In the hands of a good player... He punches above his weight class, which is two-thread. So I think he's a great addition to most lists because you know he's a high damage glass cannon. He fits a lot of places. He's fun, too. I like him. I've been playing him a lot. He is a favorite character of mine, but also he just seems to fit in a lot of lists. He obviously fits well in Guardians. I think he's fine in Avengers because booby traps being discounted is nice, two points. He is a great contender for Cabal because anytime he deals damage, absolutely. he gets power. So absolutely. absolutely. You can see where this goes. And also, Chris, he's a great contender for Black Order because when you make a Black Order bag, you have to take at least two twos, I think, at this point. And so what I've been grabbing lately has been Nebula and Rocket because... You just don't know how those points are going to fall with Black Order, and if you got Thanos, Absolutely. he's six, seven, eight, nine. You know, you got a Nebular a Rocket in there. You've got a couple points of leeway for someone else, or hopefully two more. Hopefully Corvus and Proxima or something. He's a great flex two point, but I think we got to move on to his buddy Groot. Oh yes, Groot's name is Groot. His alter ego is I am Groot, which was a curveball I was not ready for until I saw this card, and I was so happy. Groot has seven stamina, a speed of short height of three, a threat of three. His defenses are four physical, two energy, three mystic. On his back, Chris, nothing changes with the stats. He also has seven stamina. Thoughts on Groot?
1: Clearly a tanky boy. He can take some damage. He's slow. He's big but he can take it.
0: Highest health pool, three costs in the game.
1: If he's fed and you charge up on him, he can deal a little bit of damage too.
0: He can. Notice he's very weak to energy, just like Venom. Yes, he is. So Venom is one of our other tanks in the game who's very weak to energy, but very great against everything else. Very interesting. We have these tanky regenerative characters like Venom and Groot, but they're just not great against energy. So it's interesting. let's just get into his attacks, Chris.
1: Let's start with his first one. It's going to be a strike. It will be physical, range two, strength five, cost zero. After this attack is resolved, this character gains power equal to the damage dealt. Just your basic strike. Five dice, not bad. Range two, kind of bad, paired with a uh, slow mover.
0: Yeah, and we mentioned he's a slow mover. We do have to mention he is on a medium-sized base.
1: Yeah, that helps a little bit.
0: It helps. It's like Doc Ock. We talked about how Doc Ock's a medium-sized base with a medium
1: move. It's sneaky fast.
0: Groot, similar to Venom, the slow move hurts, but his base is bigger, and that helps. You can't forget that. His second and only other attack is I am Groot in all capital letters. It's also range two, so we're seeing a theme. Both rockets are range five. Both Groots are range two. It's a range two attack, eight strength, six power cost, before damage is dealt. This character may throw the target character medium. It's not a wild trigger, Chris. It just happens. After the attack is resolved, the target character gains the stagger special condition. It just happens once again.
1: Such a cool attack that you're just never, ever going to get to use.
0: It is very tough to get six power in this game regularly.
1: Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Not tough for Groot because he has 14 health. I think they appropriately costed this because I think if it was full war, it'd just be broken. He's so tanky. It'd
1: be too good. He'd be taking so much damage, yeah, if you're playing him right.
0: You're right, Chris. It's not going to happen very often. And in fact, forget the power cost. Range 2 on a slow mover. Mm. It's just not going to happen very much. It just hurts. Groot is, in this game in particular, not a fighter till late game. And we'll get to that in a bit. But let's talk about his superpowers.
1: His first superpower is an active superpower. It is called Living Plant. Power cost of two. Remove three damage from this character. Okay. Pretty cool self regeneration. That is
0: very good. Two power to heal three damage is better than any tactics card that involves healing in the game. Of course, it's only on Groot. Of course. But it's fun. It's so fun. And of course, I'll mention it again like I did with Rocket. This costs one in Avengers. That's just so Mm -hmm. gross. He's someone who's going to sit on objective in Avengers if you play him right. Exactly. He's just going to heal. He's going to hold an objective. And you want to come up to him, range two, and fight him? Probably not. I don't think so. No. His second and last superpower is an active superpower called Tangling Vines. It costs two power. Choose an enemy character within range three. It gains the root special condition. Root reads like this. The character with the root condition must spend one power before using a active or reactive superpower. This is cool, Chris. This is the opposite of Avengers.
1: I really like this. I like this just little power drain from a, a big, maybe a big fed target, or maybe someone's low on power and you just want to stifle them from being able to use any of their superpowers at all. I think it's wonderful. Yeah. And it's really
0: thematic too, right? Like Loki is really hard to kill. Something Chris has been fighting a lot lately. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. Because I've been playing a lot of Loki. And, you know, if you can make Trickster cost one more and Loki doesn't have the power to do it, it's you huge. root him in place, right? And it just works. So I like it. It's something you're not going to use all the time because Living Plant is just too good, almost, Chris. It's like a great thing to use. Absolutely. If you're teed off with Groot, Living Plant works. And I think here's part of the problem with Groot he's slow, so he really has a hard time mm-hmm. fighting. And if you're waiting till he has six or eight power or something, you probably are playing him wrong because at mm. his best, he's a shield for rocket and he's a great tank on an objective that's almost impossible to kill.
1: He absolutely is. I was just thinking about how I could slip him into a Wakanda list to replace a for that same reason. That's worth a try. That's what great about TS, so. just
0: trying it out. But I mean, I am Groot is amazing at six power, but I am Groot is also the equivalent of three living plants, Chris, which is nine damage off of Groot, which I know you can't get all that in one go because he only has seven on right. one
1: side. It just depends on the situation, you know. It, it you have to take each one of these games individually. You can't just plan at the beginning of the game to keep Groot back and and hold him back till he's fed, but at the same time, you can't just plan on getting up in there and spending all your power and not holding any back for for living plant to heal back up.
0: Yeah. And I'm Groot's great. Something we got to talk about on it that we didn't talk about enough. I feel like it's just a free throw and a free stagger built in. You're almost paying for that. Forget about the high strength of eight.
1: Absolutely.
0: There's no wild triggers. You're just getting a medium throw. A medium throw from a medium-sized base is awesome. Like That's pretty far. big. And then giving someone a stagger is always huge. This is a Modoc killer. This is a Hulk killer move, if you can do it. And mm-hmm. notice, Chris, and this is something thematically that just sticks out to me. So cool. And the first time I did I Am Groot with Groot and realized this, I was so happy. It doesn't say size. He's one of the only characters in the entire game to not specify a size. Oh
1: my gosh. I didn't really notice that until just now. And I hadn't even thought. He can throw a That's hole. amazing.
0: He can throw a modoc, He can throw a Venom, whoever it is, someone who's very large. And presumably in the future, Chris, when we get that sentinel, because I'm I'm just hoping and praying, Mm. Groot can throw Mm. that sentinel. And if Groot can throw these bigger models, size four, size five in the future, potentially something else, that's a huge dodge save. Massive. So it's a big spiky power if he gets it off. But you know, the tree man has fourteen health. That's pretty amazing, Chris. Seven on both sides. And that's his biggest strength.
1: He's gonna be on the battlefield a long time. So he might find a position where he where he can use I am Groot.
0: So let's talk about what you touched on earlier. Rocket only has six health total, and obviously he needs Groot to survive if you can afford Groot in your list. Because Groot just takes all the attacks for Rocket, which is so nice. Bad news of this, Groot's size three, he's not gonna get a lot of cover from stuff. You know, his head's always popping out. Right. You gotta take Groot to do it. And most importantly. They have to be range one, which is that objective range. That is tough That's to keep them within that. That's very tough. So a lot higher skill and learning curve with these two than you think, especially when they're together. Though when they're separate, they are a, a two cost and a three cost that can punch above their weight class if played correctly. They're neat characters.
1: Let's talk about some of the perks of keeping them together. And Jesse, I know you know what I'm talking about here. Let's talk about the tactics cards That require Groot and Rocket. The first one we're going to talk about here is Deadly Duo. You can use it in any affiliation. It is an active card, so only during your activation. And it reads like this. During Rocket Raccoon's activation, if he is within range 2 of an allied Groot, which he will be if you're playing Groot as a bodyguard, you're going to keep Rocket and Groot together for most of the game if you're playing that style. So this card is kind of... Just an auto-include. Both characters may spend two power each to play this card. Rocket Raccoon may immediately perform up to three plasma rifle attacks. Each attack must target a different enemy character. This is why you take them
0: together, Chris. Super cool. If you have them in your list, your 10 models, you're going to take this card, I think, every time.
1: Absolutely.
0: If anything, it's a deterrent. Notice it says up to three different characters. So when they're together on a side of the map, It kind of deters people from going over there with more than one or two models Mm -hmm. because they know you have this card later. Keep in mind, Plasma Rifles, just Rocket's basic strike and it can whiff. It happened to me in a recent game, all three attacks whiffed for me, but this is not an action to do this, Chris. So Rocket does up to three attacks and three different targets, and then he gets to perform two actions. So then he could perform two more attacks if he wanted to.
1: And off those first three attacks, hopefully he's going to be gaining that power back. Yes. So maybe after those three attacks, maybe you can afford a Hadron Enforcer. That's the plan. And worst case scenario, you just
0: perform five plasma attacks and you have booby trap money later, you know, to spend those oh, traps. Oh no,
1: just a horrible backup plan, isn't it? It's
0: just so bad. So, so bad. Um, it's a great card. I think always worth taking if you have these two in your list. It's neat.
1: I agree 100%. It can change the momentum of a game if those rolls go well. Right.
0: And it's really threatening if you have some lower health, three-cost, two-cost characters around Rocket and Groot, because Rocket could just nuke them one round. He could just easily nuke these lower-cost characters. I want to see it happen. So, Chris, their next card we're going to talk about is a Groot card. It's called We Are Groot, unaffiliated, which is nice. Deli Duo is unaffiliated as well, so neither one of these have to be in a Guardians-specific list. So these are just when you have Rocket and Groot. It's an active card. Groot may spend three power to play this card. Groot and allied characters within range four of Groot all remove two damage.
1: See? Now that's pretty cool. That's
0: what might work in Wakanda.
1: Absolutely.
0: It's a little expensive. It's three costs. It's not out of control. It's not tough, but you really need to be thinking about... If you have We Are Groot in your hand at the start of a game, and Groot's one of your models you chose, you really just got to think about where you place Groot in deployment, because he's never going to use it correctly mm-hmm. if he's deployed on one of the far sides or something. He might just have Absolutely. to go up straight up the middle to that middle objective, tank it. And have everyone gather around him as needed. Yeah. And he's mainly doing living plant the whole game, Chris. And then mid-light game, he does We Are Groot, and it's a bigger, better living plant. that's an AoE heal for everyone. It's really neat. I love it. It's a card that I've played around with a lot. The times it's worked for me, it's really worked and won a game. The times it hasn't worked, it's not that the card hasn't worked. It's... Like I said, the game changed or Groot was in the right spot and there just wasn't a perfect time to use it. That's bad in MCP. We've talked about this before. It's something I'm going to harp on more in the future, but I think if you get to the end of a game and you haven't used all your cards, something went wrong for you potentially.
1: I agree. It's wasted resources.
0: Yeah. This could be, you know, something basic, Brace for Impact, Smash, Trip Up. It could be so many other cards that work all the time. So when you take Groot, you wanted to play him right, you want to use this card right at a pivotal moment in the game. Not quite as good as Deadly Duo, because it seems like that's going to work every time you have a Rocket and Groot. But inversely, this only works with Groot. So it's a little bit easier to pull off. You don't have to have Rocket and Groot both in Mm -hmm. your list. So there's trade-offs. I like it. It's fun. It's thematic. Art is incredible. If you look at the back of it, it, Groot's healing. It's so cool. Captain America and Gamora down there, back to life. It's great stuff. So these characters, Chris, they're so neat. They're so simple, but they're simple in a really asymmetric way. First of all, they're nothing alike. And second of all, there's no one like them. They're simple, but they fill a one specific role that no one else really fills. There's characters that are offshoots of these, like Hawkeye is a different version of Rocket, but he costs more. Right. Venom is a different version of Groot, but he costs more. There's differences, there's flexes with points. And of course, they're so neat together because then they get the bodyguard. And that's a whole nother mechanic in itself.
1: And if you're good, man, that bodyguard- So annoying. Rocket can just sit back, just sit back and pester- a two point character that that has the potential to change the game that much is pretty impressive.
0: That's the goal with Rocket too, is like if you're moving a lot with Rocket, you're probably not playing him right. If he's shooting a lot, you played him right. Even if you're whiffing, you're giving yourself more chances for dice to hit. So like if Rocket's just shooting all game and he has group by him, keeping him alive, as long as Rocket's getting shots, it's probably worth it. Sometimes the dice are going to fail you, and that's fine. It happens. It doesn't matter. If Rocket's got a great vantage point on a building or something, and he's just taking pot mm-hmm. shots all game, that's a nuisance. Like, that is a problem. Even if he's missing sometimes, the fact that he's getting attack every turn is a problem. So I love him. I love Groot as well. Groot, of course, is a pretty niche character. The more I play the game, I realize he fits in less lists than I hoped he would early on in the game, which kind of bums me out. But then more as the game goes on, Chris, that's okay. That's how the game's going to be. And I think that's actually really cool.
1: I think that is one of the reasons it makes this game so cool. You're not going to find a core two or three characters that are in every list, even at a competitive level. Yeah, They're all going to be a little bit different and still be competitive. And I love that.
0: Groot's is the super niche tank who's going to push you over that guardian's number if you need it, or he's going to keep rocking alive. Or he's just someone who's going to sit on an objective and heal. Other than that, right. he doesn't fit as many places. So if you don't have a role for him in one of those areas, he might not be the first three threat you grab. And that's okay.
1: Absolutely not. But he's a wonderful pocket pick to keep for a specific purpose. He's the right tool for a very specific job.
0: Yeah. And I love the character so much. And the way they represent him in the game is absolutely perfect. I couldn't ask for more. And, you know, Chris, just closing out our strategy section, these two models, this is actually, ironically, and I don't think you even know this either, but when I saw these in the Uh-oh. last case, at last year's Gen Con, uh-huh. this is really what pushed me over the edge fully for MCP. This is what did it, huh? Seeing Groot busting his arm through the asphalt, and then it popping up on Rocket's <laughs> base on a different base... And Rocket's standing on Groot's arm, shooting his rifle. I'm saying, these guys mean business. They know exactly what they're doing. Incredible.
1: They're professionals, man.
0: And it's so thematic. Groot could be behind a car, holding the objective. And Rocket could be half a map away. And Groot's shoving his arm across the map, giving Rocket a little vantage point to snipe off of. It's so good. These two guys, I love them so much. When I saw they're going to be in the first year of the game, and the models looked this good. I think this Groot's better than the movie Groot.
1: Oh, my.
0: It's a great middle ground between the comic Groot and the movie Groot. And they did the same with Rocket, too. If you look at Rocket's art on his card, it's very comic booky Rocket. But if you look at the model of Rocket, he leans a little more MCU, but he's about half and half as well. So they're kind of doing the thing we always talked about, Chris. They take the parts of the comics that are cool. They take parts of the MCU or they're cool and make the best of the Absolutely. Models. I mean Groot has the shield straight from the comics and, and the glowing orbs in his body, right? That's that's right. straight comic. Absolutely.
1: Groot. That is straight comic Groot. But he has 100%. some features
0: of the face and other things and the model specifically, not so much the card, but the model specifically. The lean a little MCU, though mainly comic, and then Rocket leans a little more MCU. Absolutely, comic he too. does. They nailed these characters. And it's so neat to have such a small character and such a big character too. They're fun to make. They're fun to paint. They're not hard to paint. They're fun to talk about. I put all sorts of fun flock and flowers on my Groot, which just pushed him over the edge. Like He went from super cool to super pretty and cool now. And they're fun characters to get on the board every time. I love it. So what more can be said about this dynamic duo? And I cannot wait for our next Guardians episode on our next characters.
1: Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreoncom finest
0: Catch our streams of Marvel Crisis Protocol at twitchtv finest and of course follow the show on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast, Instagram and Facebook at Fury's Finest, emails at Fury's at gmail.com with any sorts of inquiries, product reviews, Marvel discussions we love it all. And continue to leave us reviews on your podcast app of choice. That really helps us out. Guys, we're about to breach the 100 reviews on Apple Podcasts, which is huge. That's just a huge number, Chris, on Apple Podcasts. It doesn't seem like it, but we've talked about this before. Not all our listeners have Apple Podcasts, not even half. So those of you guys that can leave reviews on Apple Podcasts really help us out a lot. Or if your spouse has Apple Podcasts and you don't, if you just get on and give us a five-star review or write us a review, it's really helpful.
1: We would appreciate it greatly, guys. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music, and please help spread the word of our show. Rate, review, and subscribe. You can follow me, Jesse, on Twitter and Instagram,
0: at Jesse Akin. That's at J-E-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. Check out my Star Wars podcast, The Canon Cantina, a Star Wars show about Star Wars lore, canon, legends, news, and more. And check out my new podcast, Project Starhawk, which is all about the new Star Wars video game coming out very soon, Star Wars Squadrons.
1: And you can follow me, Chris, on Twitter at Chris C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T.
0: Thanks for listening, true believers.
1: Excelsior. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. First you flick this switch, then this switch. That activates it.
0: Then you push this button, which will give you five minutes to get out of there. Now, whatever you do, don't push this button, because that will set off the bomb immediately and we'll all be dead. Now, repeat back
1: what I just said. I am good. Uh Uh-huh. I am good. That's right. I am good. No! Now, that's the button that will kill everyone. Try again. I am Groot. Mhm. I am Groot. Uh huh. I'm Groot. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. No, that's exactly what you just said. How is that even possible? Which button is the button you're supposed to push? Point to it. No!
0: Hey, you're making him nervous.
1: Shut up and give me some tape. Does anybody have any tape out there? I want to put some tape over the death button. I don't have any tape. Let me check.
0: Tape, tape. Oh, never mind. Drax, do you have any
1: tape? <coughs> yeah, Scott's tape would work.
0: Then why did you ask me if Scott's tape would work if you don't have any?
1: Nobody has any tape. Not a
0: single person has tape. No. Nope. Did you ask Nebula? yes
1: are you sure i asked yondu and she was sitting right next to him i knew you were lying you have priceless batteries and an atomic bomb in your bag if anybody's gonna have tape it's
0: you that's
1: exactly my point i have to do everything you are wasting a lot of time here
0: we're all gonna die